Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s, finding out what happened to her or your in the game, sister. With hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles, the next clue is always within reach. Search for hidden objects from the parlours of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Each chapter uncovers a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve, and I've had a lot of fun. Currently on chapter 7, making progress little by little, tapping away on my phone to get all the puzzle pieces in place. While searching for the murderer, or whatever happened to your sister, you get to decorate your own island with gardens and buildings and chat and play with other Others by joining a detective club. It's a lot of fun and very social. I play while I'm on the train. It keeps me active between my journeys to London and I love the time limits that are pushing me to find those clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Have you ever wondered if your furry friend might be partial to a beer or two? Did you know that koalas smoked pipes and dolphins get high on pufferfish? Here to tell us all about the weird and wonderful world of intoxicated animals and humans too is Oné Pagan, a university professor and researcher with a PhD in pharmacology with an emphasis on neurobiology from Cornell University. He writes in the popular science genre, which basically means that he writes stuff in a nice and accessible way so we can all understand and enjoy it. I loved his book. It's one of those where you get all these fascinating tidbits and funny information to share with friends and at parties. I can't think of a better party trick or opening line than, did you know dinosaurs used to get high? Oné is a very lovely man, full of intellectual curiosity about life. The way he talks about all of it is intoxicating enough for you not to need any drugs to listen to this, so I would advise you do so soberly, as I imagine you have been doing so far. His book is called Drunk Flies and Stoned Dolphins, A Trip Through the World of Intoxication. And you can get it in all the normal places. You'll find a link in the show notes. Otherwise, follow him on at Bald Scientist on Twitter. He has a podcast of the same name, the Bald Scientist podcast. So find that on baldscientist.com. It's because he's a scientist and he's bald. Subscribe and give on a some love. Hope you're all having a lovely festive season, by the way. I've been doing lots of interviews to line up the next few podcasts because I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks in Argentina. I shouldn't give out my address in case there are any burglaries or the exact dates. So you shan't know either of those things. Plus, there's not very much to burgle, to be honest. But anyway, it's all very exciting. Lots of work at the moment to do. Thanks to all my new listeners for subscribing from Jordan Harbinger's Uh, the episode I was on of his. Good to have you guys on board. I've already got loads of reviews from you guys and subscriptions and stuff. It's it's really, really helpful and supportive. And I love you all, mostly Americans, lots of Americans from over there. Very nice to have you with us. And I'll give shout outs to the new patrons who have signed up to my Patreon and Apple and YouTube at the end. Remember, you can get the bonus chat that we did on A&I, that is, as well as early access to ads free full episodes on Patreon dot com slash andrew gold or through apple subscriptions also come join us for the video version of this video and all the other ones they tend to premiere on monday evenings uk time quite late in the uk uh, but that's always subject to change so just check it out on youtube.com slash andrew gold one or just typing on the edge with andrew gold into youtube and seeing what i've got um you know lined up 
that's all for now. Big guests are coming up in the next month or two. Uh, we should have Carl Zimmer, John Ronson, David Baddiel, Jordan Harbinger himself is coming on this show, and hopefully Amanda Knox as well. For now, it's the wonderful Oni Pagan. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. How's your day going? So far, so good. No, thank you for inviting me. It was a, uh, uh, I mean, I'm beside myself uh, happily. <laughs> oh, that's so nice of you to say. Well, like, you know, I was uh, looking for new guests and I was looking um, down the lists of just new nonfiction books. That's how I look. And I saw your book and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> This looks fascinating. And it's, well, a, it's thank a you so much. Oh, it's a great read as well. You've got a nice microphone there as well. Look at that. Yeah, I have the, the thingy. <laughs> oh, that's because, cool. Uh, yeah, because I, I recently started doing my, my own podcast. Uh, it, it's called the Bold Scientist Podcast for <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, that, that came about because of the pandemic. Because I, I, was, I was teaching online. I felt stupid teaching to a computer. Uh, okay, so it was the right thing to do, but it, you know, I'm the kind of person who needs feedback. Uh, okay, I, I tell stupid jokes in class to keep them awake, and I, you know, these type of things. So uh, that's why that's why I have the the good microphone. I already have a soft spot for you because my youngest my youngest son is called Andrew. So yeah, what a beautiful beautiful name. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How old is he? He's 20. So did you think about Andres? We thought about it, uh, but my wife doesn't like the Spanish uh, Andres. I lived in Colombia for some time, before, yeah. and uh, Andres had a different connotation there uh, about uh, menstruation. Andres una vez por mes. No, I didn't know that in Puerto Rico. It's not like that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's Colombia for you. In Medellin, I lived there for some time. And it was when I said my name was Andres, because Andrew was a bit difficult for people. Yeah. Uh, they were like, ah, oh, Andres una vez por mes, like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. And I remember that you have uh, Argentinian in-laws. That's right. That's right. We're going there next month. Um, okay. She's going. She's going next week. My my girlfriend is from Argentina. Uh, okay. We've been together seven years now. I used to live. I lived in Buenos Aires for six or seven years. I've never been there. I, I've never ah, been there. One day. So you're from Puerto Rico. I'm Puerto Rican. Yes. Okay. Cool. And now you are in Pennsylvania. Yes, I am. Which sounds like um, Dracula to me. <laughs> A, a little bit. <laughs> Actually, one of my co-workers graduated from Transylvania University. Ah, oh, well, there you go. Uh, so many connections. Oh, speaking of connections, mm. uh, when did you go to the Jim Harold's program? Yeah, so that Jim Harold was a paranormal podcast. I went on there, I think it was over a year ago, to talk about a documentary I made in Argentina about an exorcist. Uh, who okay. who I think was quite abusive. I don't believe in the paranormal stuff. What what have you done with him? It's just that I, I've I've heard of him because we have a couple of common friends. Ah, right. I, I don't know if you heard about Micah Hanks, and uh, uh, he, he's like a journalist. He began like in the UFO paranormal paranormal stuff, but he's transitioned into more traditional uh, right. journalism. Okay. And uh, he, he actually, because I'm curious about those things. I'm, I'm a 
really uh, healthy skeptic. Huh. Uh, okay. You, you know, let, let's just say that I'm comfortable to to know that we don't know everything about the universe, but but I need evidence. Yeah, you don't believe in vampires. Oh no. No, the exorcist I met, he believed in vampires and uh, and obviously demons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, I've never heard the name One before. One Pagan. Okay, so that, believe it or not, that's uh, like a Greek name. Huh? Because my father's name was uh, Onesimus. Oh. That's wow. from the Bible. So his nickname was One. Huh. So when I was born, yeah, here I am. <laughs> ah, One Junior. Tony Jr., yeah. And Pagan, the last name Pagan, I, I read uh, somewhere that, well, there was this lady from Spain. I, this is not a limerick, uh, okay? So <laughs> I, 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 I once met a, a lady from Spain who says, well, Pagan is, I, I haven't heard that name in Spain. So I started doing a web search and through some other people, it's from Scotland. Oh, wow. Go figure, there's still people with my last name in Glasgow. Wow, not with the... Is there an accent? No, on Pagan? Uh, not with the accent. Not, mm-hmm. I, I suppose that, that as Scott went to Spain at some point uh, and then uh, he came, he went to Puerto Rico or something, like descendants, but mm-hmm. it's funny. Uh, mm-hmm. That will explain a lot. I mean, because I, I don't look like the stereotypical Latino, uh, you know, and I'm having fun with it. Yeah. Can you do a Scottish accent? I don't think so. <laughs> Scotland. My girlfriend loves it. Uh, being Argentinian, she loves the Scottish accent. It's her favorite one. She doesn't yeah. like mine. Mine, so mine is boring for her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me, tell me a little bit about your background and what led you to write such uh, an, an interesting book. Well, but first, thank you for having me, and thank you for uh, uh, your kindness. Uh, I mean, I was a non-traditional student. I've always uh, wanted to be a scientist. And there was never any doubt that I will end up in something like this. I don't remember the story, but my mother tells me that when I was like three or four years old, I asked her whether God created microscopes. Okay. (laughs) And that was a cute thing, but I don't remember. But she actually gave me a very good answer. She said, well, no, God didn't uh, create microscopes, but he gave people the brains to figure things out and invent things. Uh, so I think that for a three or four year old, it's, it's, a, it's a good answer. So, but I, I like to say that I'm a mutant in my family. Nobody has ever shown any interest uh, in academic science. And I always did. So anyway, I did my bachelor's uh, in Puerto Rico in general sciences, general natural sciences. I took everything, genetics, uh, astronomy, uh, computer science, like a very general science. I couldn't commit. Okay. Then I started working and I found a technician's job at a medical school in Puerto Rico in the biochemistry department. When I was 35, a person who was a collaborator of my mentors in Puerto Rico came to the island. He was from Cornell University. And long story short, they recruited me to go uh, to Ithaca, New York to to do my PhD. Uh, And I did it in pharmacology uh, with an emphasis on neurobiology. But the funny thing is that it was at 35. It's a kind, kind of past the age of that many people do it. And in fact, many people uh, used to say, aren't you a little old to be doing a PhD? But I laughed at, at that because 
I actually thought about it and he said, well, I'd rather be a 40 year old guy with my PhD than without it. That's what yeah. I wanted to do. So, yeah. and I did. So six months before graduating my PhD, I was hired at Westchester University. So it's uh, so many improbable series of events that, that it's really, I'm very grateful to life, God, the universe, everything. Regarding why I wrote the book, that's a direct consequence of my own research. Because I do research using an animal model that it's very unusual for pharmacology. I don't know if you've heard about planarian worms. They're um, flatworms. Right. So they are, there's three varieties, marine flatworms, <clears throat> excuse me, terrestrial flatworms and freshwater flatworms. I work with the freshwater worm, uh, worms. And I apply pharmacology to those worms. Now, they have a very interesting characteristic. Many species of freshwater flatworms, they, you can cut their heads off and they will regenerate their heads. They will not die. The head will regenerate a body. The body will regenerate a head. You can actually cut them in like a hundred little pieces. And if you keep them, you know, safe, they eventually will regrow into full uh, worms. The funny thing about the terrestrial flatworms is that they are able to pull that off even with their brains. And they have a relatively complex brain for an invertebrate with many parallels to humans. Wow. So can you imagine if we learn how to do that? People with brain damage because of a car accident, uh, for instance, or spinal cord injury, uh, Alzheimer's. Okay. So they don't only regenerate nervous system uh, completely, but they do it in the right way. What does that say for their lived experience? What do you imagine the, the mind experience of this worm? And then there's a second worm. What is it? Which one is it? <laughs> well, they are essentially clones of each other. Uh, it's like having, uh, when, when you have an identical twin, you have exactly the same genetic material. So it's going to be something I imagine because, I, I mean, it's a, a half of the time I don't know what I'm thinking, let alone what a worm is thinking. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's a, but uh, there's, it, it has so many fascinating implications, not only scientific, but philosophical as well. So what I do with them is to study drugs, uh, abuse drugs in them to study uh, addiction and to study uh, toxicity of the drugs. For example, if you put nicotine in the, in the water of, of the worms, you leave it for some time, you take the nicotine away, they go into withdrawal. Mm -hmm. They start swimming like crazy. They shake. They, 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 they seek the drug. So, and we have uh, taken advantage of that. We have taken advantage of that to try to come up with substances, discover substances that can potentially kick uh, either addiction or toxicity of the worm. So we have published uh, uh, a few papers in the, in, the, in the topic. But then when I got the science writing bug, the popular science writing bug, uh, this is my third book, actually. Uh, the first one was titled The First Brain was exactly about the neuroscience of planarians because I argued that that was kind of the first bona fide brain, uh, our style uh, in nature. And that was published by Oxford University Press. I was very surprised because, uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, when I submitted the proposal, of course, uh, I was hopeful, but I, you know, it was a really nice surprise. 
you'll have noticed that my microphone audio has gone up in quality. That's because I've got a brand new Shure MV7 microphone. Now, a lot of you ask me all the time what I use as you want to sound better in Zoom calls or start your own podcast, do some singing, la la la. This is me on my old microphone, the Uhuru, which is pretty good. And this is the difference with the Shure MV7. It's a proper piece of equipment and it lights up when I speak, which I like, and it gives you loads of options on the Shure Plus Motive app that it comes with. Um, You can just leave it on auto settings if you're not that bothered about the exact sound. The MV7 that I'm using is a lot like the SM7B, the famous SM7B that I think Joe Rogan and other people like that use. But the MV7 can also be used with USB, so it's easier for amateurs like me you just want to plug it into the laptop you don't need but it also has the xlr that professionals like to use so that's the whole point of the mv7 it can be used by both click the link in the show notes to check it out and know that you can use my code on the edge 20 all capital letters one word for 20 percent off all products in the sure uk online shop until july 31st 2021 so that's sure.co.uk and on the edge 20 capitals all one word uh, on sure.co.uk where they do all sorts of headphones and mics it's a great deal so the, the worms the worms were the first like evolutionarily the first to develop a brain like ours is that what you're saying similar to ours yes they, there's no direct re, uh, lineage between planarians and us but the morphology of it like the two lobes in the brain the neurotransmitters they're very similar pretty much the same uh, we have uh, described the addictive processes, uh, which can be used uh, as a model. And some of the substances that we have tested in worms, they work on rats too. Uh, okay, so there's a, a nice, actually one of them, I have a tattooed in my arm. I know your listeners cannot see it, but I'm showing it to you. Yeah, that, that's, that's, um, that'll be, um, that's ethanol. No, it's called <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> What is it? But we can talk about it uh, later on. Okay. So, when I uh, decided to write uh, my third book, I started, well, I thought about planarians and I knew that they could get addicted. I knew that they would be sensitive to these type of compounds. And I thought about some other animals and I started doing my research. Uh, I'm a bookworm. Uh, I love doing this type of thing. And I found so many things, so many things that I wasn't even aware about. And, and I just had to write a full book about it. Oh man, it's so fascinating. I, I learned so much. I keep it's one of those books, and I, I I love. I talk about these books sometimes on the podcast where I wake my girlfriend up and tell her, hey, "Did you know? Did, you know the the koalas <laughs> smoke pipes." Um, that, that's my that's my approach. That the, did you know question. Yeah, well, you say at the beginning, you wrote at the beginning that you you don't want to lecture people. It's an enjoyable book. It's it's fun and it's interesting and exciting to read. I'm just interested. I mean, you were saying you haven't thought about how a worm thinks, but I mean, have you thought about how animals think a little bit? And uh, I, I remember hearing once in a, in a lecture at university, and I studied English literature, so I don't know why it was this was even under discussion. But somebody was talking about how like humans are born with like ten percent of the brain filled in and 90% left to learn. Oh, and then okay. animals have like 90% there, and they learn 10% more. Oh, it's kind of the difference between instinct and learning. Yeah. Okay, that may be it. I'm not familiar with that mm. uh, hypothesis. But I mean, who knows? Yeah. Well, so do you, I, I would just I really, really, if I can do one thing before I die, I want to be able to experience the consciousness of a dog 
or something, do you, or, or any animal, because for them to get drunk, and it, this led me to think about this a lot while reading your book, like, what, is, what does that mean for, like, an animal to be drunk? Is it going like, oh, fuck it, oh, oh, you know, or is it just like, uh-huh, uh-huh? Or, do you, have you given that well, much you, thought? You know, you're not alone in uh, wishing that. There's uh, a few philosophers, I, I forget the name, uh, the, he, he was a very famous one. I'm embarrassed that I don't remember his name, but he wrote an article about what would be like to feel like a bat? Hmm. Was it Wittgenstein? No, no, doesn't ring a bell. No, but uh, it, it'll come to me. It, what is it like to be a bat? Maybe, maybe we can find it. But the point uh, is that we will never be able. Well, as far as uh, uh, at the current level of understanding, I should say, we will never be able to feel exactly or to perceive the world exactly as some other organisms. I cannot imagine how it would be like to image the world by clicking my mouth and hearing the echoes that it generates. Uh, because I'm sure in my office right now, there's a lot of echoes and, and, a, and a lot of things that I cannot perceive. Certain bees and certain insects, actually, and many birds, they can experience the electromagnetic spectrum, a fancy name for light, okay, in different wavelengths, uh, ultraviolet, infrared. Uh, certain rattlesnakes, they have specialized organs that they can actually image the, the warmth of their prey. Hmm. So we cannot begin to imagine how it would be like that. Dolphins, dolphins, they have a, 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 actually an organ in their foreheads, actually very appropriately called a melon. And they can actually uh, do, uh, generate their echoes, that actually their, their sound waves that they use as echoes to image their environment. So we don't know how animals can uh, very drastically different from us can perceive. That being said, the nervous system of, of all animals, they share many similar characteristics. If you take a nerve cell of a flatworm and a human and look at them under the microscope, to most of us, they would look identical. To me, they would look identical. Wow. Uh, there's no specialized uh, nerve cells exclusively for worms or exclusively for humans. So all of us animals, they build different nervous systems with the same basic building block. And that is fascinating to me. Does that suggest that, because uh, people often talk about like aliens and UFOs and stuff, does it suggest that as far as we know, uh, anything that's built, built, anything that grows in other planets and other solar systems is likely to be in some way similar to us? Well, actually, that's an excellent question, and it may be the topic of something that I'm writing about. about. The point about it is that I, uh, at some time, I published a paper in the, uh, oh, brother, now I'm embarrassed. I don't remember the journal, but I can, I'll send it to you. Let's just say the following. Any organism out there, anywhere, they should be able to be able to perceive uh, their environment, Okay. And in order to do so, they will need something at least analogous to a nervous system, right? So depending on their environment, the, such organisms should be able to perceive light or sound or smells, okay? So there's the idea of, in evolutionary sciences, of convergent evolution, similar solutions to the same problem. The most famous example is when we uh, observe the very close similarities between a dolphin, a shark, and an ichosaur, uh, an extinct reptile. Ah. Okay? So 
they all have torpedo-shaped uh, bodies with flippers in strategic locations because they live in the same environment. And yet, one is a mammal, mammal, the second is a fish, the third is a reptile. Uh, okay, so I think that when, uh, if and when we discover life uh, elsewhere, they will, there will be many parallels. So, and I hope I, I get to see it. Oh, I hope so too. People, because people often say, "Oh, why do we assume they would be similar to things we know?" But they, maybe they would. I, I remember hearing a similar thing to what you just said. I think about the octopus and the eye because I think the octopus is the furthest thing from us evolutionarily. Like if you go really far back, it went a different path and then still developed eyes, I think. Does that sound right? I might be yes, half it, remembering. It does, it does. And, and the eyes are very similar morpholo morphologically than ours. Uh, they, there's certain differences, but for all intents and purposes, they function in the same way. We, we were always going to develop eyes just like we did or and, and any branch might do. Something to detect light. Yeah, uh, uh, not necessarily eyes as we do, but... Some, some of them less efficient, some of them way more efficient. It depends on the uh, evolutionary pressures. Hmm. It's so fascinating, these things in oh, our yeah, heads. It, just... it is. <laughs> so tell me, tell me about dinosaurs. Do you think they were all like high on some drug grass stuff? Well, that's kind of how <laughs> I, I began the, the book. Uh, and I think they certainly would have the potential to become uh, high or drunk on environmental substances. Then there's the matter of how much would they need? Uh, because, uh, I mean, a, a normal human, about 200 pounds uh, or so, uh, can get relatively, in a relatively easy way, high with reasonable amounts of substances. But a dinosaur who, and I say who, because in, because in, my, in my mind, organisms are entities. Uh, uh, they're not it. They're a who, uh, okay, in, in my opinion, but. You know, okay. I digress. I do that a lot. But uh, a 100-ton dinosaur will need a prodigious amount of, of any drug to become high or drunk, in the case of alcohol, unless their physiology was so sensitive in, in a way that it's extremely different from ours, that they will get like that. But we, we will never know. That's a frustrating thing. I would love to see a T-Rex. From a distance, uh, but uh, you, you know, but but we will never be able to. It's interesting because I'm very tall. I'm six foot three, six foot four. Oh my god, I, how I envy you! <laughs> <laughs> you say that somebody told me. You know, last night I, I I met somebody who told me that who who was on the podcast before another scientist called uh, Dr. Stuart Faramond, and then we met. For, it was one of the first times I met somebody okay. who I interviewed on the podcast because he he lives near where I am, uh, and he said the same thing. Like, oh, I couldn't believe how tall you were. I hated it hated my whole childhood every photo you see like my my shoulders are hunched you know oh. and i'm like trying to be small with the other guys it just shows doesn't it you're never ha no one's ever happy with what they have nope. no, so no, no. it is what it is it is funny because, and i'm going to give you a uh what you would think is an atypical example mm. uh, and again your listeners are not seeing us right now but i'm bold okay like yeah. a yeah. billiard bold Billiard ball bolt. Okay. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm very yeah, sorry no, for your loss. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I love it. But I used to have curly hair. Ah. Very curly hair. My, my Andrew uh, and my Reynaldo, we have two boys. Uh, actually, we have three children. My daughter, she's the oldest, and two boys. They both have curly hair, and it came from me. Oh. 
<laughs> un- unfortunately, that that's quite ominous for the the future of their hair. Yeah, but but it's okay. I mean, mm. uh, there's many jokes that I could say about that, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell. So, so Reynaldo must be better at football or soccer than Andrew. Actually. <laughs> I see where you're going at. Now, actually, Reynaldo likes uh, football uh, as a fan uh, yeah. a lot. And he always likes saying that his name is like Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's loads of the, There's like Rivaldo, Ronaldo. There was some other Ronaldinho. There was like all similar names. Was oh, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, Ronald. It's it's the, the, the same root. Actually, Reynaldo is my middle name. Oh, right. Okay, so there's the tradition aspect. I was just thinking, because as an Andrew, I know the us Andrews are typically not very good at sports, uh, whereas somebody with a name like <laughs> Reynaldo, Reynaldo, it, it sounds like he must be uh, better at sports, but, you know. Uh, he's a fan, that's for sure. <laughs> Tell me, how does... Oh, no, I was going to make a point before. Yeah, I'm very big and tall and whatever, but at one beer, and I, I, you said the same about yourself, actually, in the book, I think, that you're a bit of a lightweight. I'm a lightweight. One beer, I'm just like, blah, and then I ha- have a headache the next day. Yep. Um, so I guess that it's not just about size, is it? It's genetics, too, uh, because we all have uh, our own, well, let's just say it this way. We all have uh, the basic humans. We all have the basic set of genes that define us as human, okay? But then again, there's enough differences that extend to how we handle uh, outside substances, including drugs, alcohol, nicotine, uh, whatever. That is a reflection of the specific enzymes that metabolize uh, compounds, okay? People like you or me who get busy with a beer, uh, uh, okay? They, we, that must be a reflection of certain genes that metabolize alcohol. But then there's people who can hold their liquor very easily that must be a reflection of their genes, or they can get used to that too. Okay, so uh, our uh, physiology is very uh, plastic. Tell me, um, why do why does it benefit certain plants and things? And I remember you wrote as well that there's there's alcohol in space, there's there's alcohol in plants, there's drugs in plants. Why does it benefit them? Is it a poison thing? Well, it, that you're very close. Actually, that that's kind of the reason why most scientists think so because if you take a tobacco plant it produces nicotine and a bunch of other things but nicotine has no known uh function in the physiology of the tobacco plant okay so what is it for so the current understanding is that such psychoactive substances evolved initially as insecticides Hmm. okay so we have the tobacco plant produce nicotine a bug began nibbling on it, the nicotine will overwhelm a certain neurotransmitter system, the bug will die, uh, okay? But a human, which is much, much bigger, we, get, we go again to the size matter, which is much, much bigger with the same amount of nicotine, the human will not die, but will experience certain psychoactive effects. Same thing with opiates, same thing with uh, cocaine and other substances. So the main idea is that these uh, plants evolved a wide variety of substances for defense. So are we basically 
poisoning ourselves very a very small bit at a time uh, yeah slowly but steadily yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting i mean i had a, a guy called paul bloom professor paul bloom recently and he talks about oh you know the science of suffering uh, and like why we enjoy to suffer so it feels like maybe that kind of suffering of nicotine or caffeine or cocaine or whatever is quite enjoyable to suffer maybe it depends there's a lot of things and to each his own <laughs> there's very different <laughs> things in the world <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, tell me about some of the animals who, that self-medicate. I know you start with koalas, I think. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the example that surprised me the most, at least it's in the top three, because when I started doing my research, I, I am an unapologetic Darwinophile. Uh, I love Charles Darwin and his work, uh, okay? And I love evolutionary sciences, even though I was, I'm not formally training that, my training is in pharmacology, biochemistry, and whatnot. But the point is that when I started researching about it, and I read that people wrote to Darwin saying, I have a pet koala and he steals the beer from me, <laughs> or he stole my tobacco pipe and starts munching on it. Okay, so I, I associate koalas with cutely, like Winnie the Pooh. Can I say Winnie the Pooh? That yeah. type of things, uh, <laughs> you know? But yes. that, that surprised me a lot. Uh, okay, yeah. that, that's uh, uh, very surprising. A little far from mammals, there's two examples that actually surprised me uh, when I learned about it. It's uh, the fact that certain sea slugs can get amphetamine-induced hallucinations. Uh, okay, and that, I was not expecting that uh, when, I, uh, when I read that research. Yeah. The, the whole story is that, well, the, some of the stories that uh, sea slugs are some of the most beautiful animals in the ocean. The, these specific ones are called nudibranchs. Hmm. And for some reason, a group of scientists thought, well, amphetamines can induce hallucinations in humans. Why don't we try to induce hallucinations in a sea slug? Well, I'm one to talk because I do kind of the same thing with flatworms. <laughs> but, uh, but they actually did it in a very clever way. They observed that when these nudibranchs were touched, like uh, like pretending to be a predator or something like that, they will uh, it will in induce a type of behavioral response that they, it's almost like they will flip and, and swim away very fast. Okay? Yeah. It's a defensive mechanism. Sure. Right? When they gave amphetamine to these type of slugs without the, the physical stimulus, some of them still jump as if they were escaping from something. Okay? So they uh, deduced that they were hallucinating, that they were being chased by a predator. They went further than that. They mapped the behavioral response that they, these slugs uh, displayed into neurophysiological responses. They record the specific neurons where that triggered that response. Then they dissected the brains of the sea slugs and tested them in a petri dish. They gave them amphetamines just to the brains, and that induced the electrophysiological response that are correlated to hallucinations. Wow. Okay. <laughs> who, who thinks about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's one. <laughs> the, the second example... <laughs> It's about uh, octopuses. Oh, I recently learned that you can say octopuses, octopi, and octopodes, and they're, uh, you know, huh. uh, accepted. 
okay. I, I like saying octopi because it's, it sounds cooler. It does uh, sound some, cool. It does sound cool. Sound and that, that was my next question. I have my questions all written here. And the next question was, what happens to the webs of drunk spiders and octopi on ecstasy? <laughs> oh, okay. So let, let, let's, uh, uh, let's talk about the octopi. So in general, octopies are, uh, octopi are curmudgeons. They, they're not social animals. With a couple of ex exceptions, recently somebody observed what appears to be like a cluster uh, of social octopi, but there's not, not a lot of research about that. But in general, in general, they uh, they are solitary. Even when mating, that the, it's not a, a a a nice proposition for them because sometimes either or both die in the process. Okay, okay so that's it. So. For some reason, some scientists decided to give ecstasy to octopi, and they became mellower. They became more social. They became nicer, <laughs> as it were, behaviorally. Uh, behaviorally. Uh, okay, so that, that again, I mean, the, the example of the amphetamines in sea slugs, the example of ecstasy in octopi, and what we're going to talk about, the uh, spider webs, that, again, it's evidence that links their nervous system to ours and validates the use of invertebrate organisms uh, to study our own brains. Wow. Uh, okay, so it's uh, yeah. mind-boggling. So they sort of, going back to my question at the beginning, and it is one I get a bit obsessed with, I suppose they, we, we can in, infer that they are sort of thinking in the same way as us a little bit, maybe. Yeah, we can uh, get, uh, you, you know, indications of more or less what they're thinking in, in the same way that we can uh, observe another human and based on their behavior, we can kind of figure out what they're thinking sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's reasonable. That's extraordinary. What happens to the webs of drunk spiders? Okay, so uh, that's yet another story that began in the 1950s. Uh, okay, there uh, was this uh, scientist who wanted to study uh, abuse drugs. He was a physician and a pharmacologist. And he wanted to get like, a, like an indicator of when a person was intoxicated or when a person had toxicity. And he decided to use spiders for that. But then he recruited people of the zoology department to help him out, okay? And through a series of trial and error uh, tests, they figure out how to give a variety of drugs to spiders. And they actually, that the, the drugs induced different uh, web making patterns uh, on the spiders. And here I want to give a shout out to my wife, Elizabeth. She actually drew the spider uh, webs uh, illustration for my book. Ah, oh, lovely. Yeah. So, and the point, uh, the point in this uh, type of experiments is that Drugs that affect reasoning or mind processes in humans, they affect the web-making ability of spiders. And this has been replicated once uh, time and again. So they get hung over? I suppose. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and just think like, oh, what was I doing last night on the web? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't <laughs> see why not. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. Are, are dolphins, um, the, you, I think you, you referenced them as or described them as the most intelligent mammals on Earth. And I thought, aren't we more intelligent than dolphins? Well, 
Dolphins are undeniably intelligent and they, they will display behaviors that are surprisingly human for good or bad. There's this misconception about dolphins like uh, I, I, was, uh, I was born in the 60s, so I remember Flipper, the friendly dolphin uh, and whatnot. So, uh, and we have these misconceptions that dolphins are really nice and whatever, but no, it's just like us. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, okay, so that's a, a, a given. And the, that was probably the most frustrating part of the book for me to write, because uh, you read the book and you notice that I try to record and reference things fastidiously. Okay, that's part of my scientific training because there's two, two reasons for that. I don't want anyone, anybody to think that I took the idea from someone. So if I write something, I document it. And second, I want to give the right information. Uh, uh, okay, so that, that's uh, two things. In the case of the supposedly uh, high dolphins, okay, there's no actual scientific uh, research done on them. Uh, there's uh, all, of, all of it is anecdotes. The thing is that a few years ago, uh, there was a, a documentary uh, crew filming a pod of dolphins underwater. And then they observed that they were passing to each other a pufferfish. And they didn't kill the pufferfish and eat it. They just nibbled on it and give it to the next dolphin and the next dolphin, and so on and so forth. So, and they actually thought they were, that, that the dolphins looked high-ish, uh, uh, okay? Uh, so, <laughs> the thing yeah. is that pufferfish are famous for producing a very nasty toxin called tetrodotoxin, okay? And pufferfish is the, the main ingredient of this Japanese, uh, Japanese uh, cuisine fugu, okay? And um, People who like fugu, uh, they like the tingling sensation that they feel in the lips and their tongue, which is induced partial, partially by tetrodotoxin. When you, go, when you go to the dentist and they put local anesthetic on you, you feel the same tingling initially. So it's the same type of nerve proteins to which tetrodotoxin binds to. Right. Okay? Fascinating. So the... What I think, this is an unapologetic speculation, and some people have thought about that too. There's two things. Maybe dolphins, again, by virtue of being much bigger than humans, they will not get poisoned by those amounts of uh, tetrodotoxin, but rather they will only feel the tingling sensation in their mouths. They may like it, okay? Then again, their brain can have some differences from the brains in humans, and they can actually get high. We don't know. And there's undeniably some psychoactive effects of tetrodotoxin in humans. It's been documented. There was a famous Simpsons episode. Did you see that? I didn't see that one. I would love to see it. It's a classic from, from the, the first few seasons. And I think it is Fugu that Homer has, and then he's told he's going to die in 24 hours, and he has to face his own mortality. It's quite a, oh, it was a I'll funny one. It was funny, but it was quite serious as well. It was a very touching episode as well. It used to be quite quite poignant sometimes, some of the Simpsons yeah. episodes. Yeah, I, I love Homer. I, I mean, he's a good dad, not too bright. He's bald. I can identify that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just need some jaundice or something and you'll have the right skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh. too pale for that. But 
<laughs> not yellow enough no man it's really interesting i think an, another thing i didn't know and it's a bit maybe it's a bit off topic but koalas eat the excrement of their parents yes uh, actually yeah and to humans it would be a, a very gross thing but uh, you you may be surprised that there's some uh not exactly like that but there's some such a thing as uh stool transplants uh, nowadays yeah i heard of that what does that how can that be possible Okay, so what they do is that there's something called the microbiome uh, that's relatively recent. So it's the, the type and amount of different types of bacteria and uh, microorganisms that it's typical of each human. Uh, oh, okay? my God. Uh, and that's becoming very interesting and very important in, for uh, immunology, for uh, general health and whatnot. So... There's people with, for example, Crohn's disease, which is a very bad gastrointestinal series of symptoms. And there's been some success with uh, stool transplants. Okay, they take the stool from healthy individuals, okay, and they transplant it not from the mouth, from but from the other end, okay, to uh, deceased people. And that seems to help in several occasions. Sometimes even uh, with uh, parasitic infections of hookworms, uh, okay, that seems to benefit. I'm not advocating that anybody ingest hookworms or any type of parasite. Okay, if you have any questions, talk to your uh, doctor. <laughs> but 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 it's it's been done with certain degree of success. But going back to the koalas, okay, it seems to be more or less the same strategy because koalas feed virtually exclusively on eucalyptus uh, leaves, yeah, okay? So it's a little bit like people uh, who would drink, uh, it's not exactly rubbing alcohol, but it's very close, okay, which can be toxic. But for koalas, it's a matter of course, okay? So it seems to be that the microbiome of koalas, it's kind of uh, not transplanted, but inherited from uh, mothers to the, the offspring uh, in that way. That's fascinating. I know quite a lot of people with Crohn's. Uh, it's quite common in the Jewish community for some reason. Is okay. It's like a genetic for Jew Jewish people get it. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it's a weird... I think there are certain diseases like that, and it's, it's particularly with, with Jewish people, they get Crohn's. Um, and yeah, I guess if they ever need um, a transplant, that's easier than like a kidney, right, isn't it? It's way easier than a kidney. Yeah, it doesn't involve surgery at all. Huh. Okay, well, there you go. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
people, another fascinating, this is something else I had no idea about, right? That yeah. people can get, they have diseases where they just get drunk even without drinking alcohol. And I know you said this was on TV, on TV series now and stuff like that, but I've never, I've never ever heard of that. And and somebody was, somebody was got done for drunk driving and was able to prove they were four times over the limit, a woman, and she was able to prove that she actually just had this disease that made her drunk. Yes, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that until I began doing the research uh, of the book. Uh, it, it's called Autobrewery Syndrome, okay? And it's not very clear what's, where it comes from, but it's been actually documented that some people, particularly when they get a, a specific type of yeast infection, they, you know that that's why we brew, how we brew things, using yeast and their biological machinery. To, to, to get alcohol from grain and stuff like that. So some people, I, I wouldn't call it an ability, I would call it a curse, okay? okay? That uh, they will express or they will synthesize amounts of alcohol large enough to get themselves intoxicated uh, without them drinking at all. Wow, I've, I've gone out of focus, by the way. I need to take it. Yeah, you're out of focus, yeah. yeah. It happens sometimes and then, there we go. There we go. Okay. Yes, Are you experimenting with uh, substances? No, I'm just. <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> saw me as out of focus, you're the one who is experimenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's the most incredible thing. And and so yeah, tell me a little bit about that then. And I guess I guess it's something we all know. So I'm going to have some beer or some wine or something. There's something called yeast involved in that. I don't know what yeast is. It's some sort of little animal thing. And it's turning it's stuff into a microorganism. Alcohol. Right. So why does that do what it does? Well, it's uh, there's several hypotheses about that, but it seems to be also a defensive mechanism because it's a microorganism. And you know that when you go to the doctor and they want to put a shot on you or to take blood, they sterilize your skin with alcohol. Okay, So you kill microorganisms with alcohol. But yeast, uh, at least certain species of yeast, uh, they uh, actually yeast are actually uh, microscopic fungi. Uh, okay, so that's a, uh, and they have developed, they have evolved the ability to resist alcohol in in a in more than other organisms. So they can metabolize it. They can metabolize it uh, more readily than other organisms, and they can actually produce it. And as a, I like this thought, they can actually weaponize it against other microorganisms because they, the current understanding is that they will produce alcohol in such amounts that will not kill themselves, but they, it will kill their enemies, as, as it were. Okay, so the, this goes to say that the idea of chemical warfare, I mean, as bad as it is in humans, we didn't invent it. We didn't invent it. Uh, plants and microorganisms have been doing that uh, for millions of years. And let's not even talk about venoms in animals. You know, that's so fascinating. If we didn't have um, yeast, I mean, that's just a quirk of nature. That I mean, if that didn't happen, that these yeast things produced alcohol, would we just not have alcohol? Would we not have beer and stuff? There's more. There's more than one organism that actually is able huh. to uh, to ferment. Uh, there's more than one species, uh, I should say. I should okay. say, but it's it must have been a serendipitous uh, occurrence. Uh, actually, in the book, 
I, I write like a funny imaginary tale about a cave person, okay? Yes. Who, who was very hungry. Actually, you have to credit my editor, Alexa, with his name. His name was Glarg. Uh, and I didn't come up with that. That was my editor. But they, they imaginary tale because we will never know who was the, pers- the, the first person who got drunk or the first person who discovered that chewing on coca leaves could alleviate toothache. Uh, okay. So we have like the 1600s people writing about that, but must have been millennia in the making. The, my imaginary idea is that this guy was very, very hungry and he saw some fermenting grain, uh, but he was hungry. It tastes horrible, but he ate it anyway. But then after that, after eating the fermented grain, he felt warm in a not unpleasant way. And then he or she began thinking, well, how can I feel this again? <laughs> All right. And we know that people have been fermenting stuff for alcohol. Uh, for at least 10,000 years or so. Because when you go to archaeological diggings and you find old, really old pottery and you analyze the residue of it, uh, you can find that this is the same chemical substances that we find in beer or wine. Okay, so this is an ancient practice. And furthermore, uh, some people think that the main uh, organism that helped us do that was, of course, yeast, but was kind of inoculated by fruit flies in, in the material. Is, is rotting fruit the same as fermented fruit? Kind of. Uh, uh, fermenting is part of the rotting, uh, rotting process. So if you, that's why it tastes quite tangy, you know, like fizzy when you, when you eat. It does, yeah. And is that not, I always thought, often I'm thinking like on a plane, they give you the fruit and the fruit is a bit off and it has that tangy, uh, sparkling, fizzy flavor. Yeah, um, it, it, part of it is fermentation, yes. So could you get drunk from that? If in high enough amounts, conceivably. Uh, but uh, all the other things that go on with the rotting uh, process can, can be harmful too. Uh, you would have to, depending on the person, you would have to ingest quite a lot of fermented fruit to... Uh, to get drunk. But smaller animals, like uh, actually fruit flies, the fruit flies that we were talking about, they can get drunk with fermented fruits. Uh, Did you know that male fruit flies, when they fail to get female companionship, they prefer fermented fruit as opposed to fresh fruit? (laughs) Because they're depressed. Uh, yeah, it's probably like you or I uh, who got our hearts broken. Let's go have a beer. Oh, man, I feel bad. If they have these kinds of feelings, I feel bad about killing them now. I'm not alone. Why do you think I work with flatworms and not rats or, God forbid, monkeys in my research? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not for me. I understand yeah. that animal research is necessary. Many of us are alive because of that. Uh, but I, I wouldn't. Uh, that's not for me. <laughs> it's it's difficult, isn't it? And I I had a, a fruit fly problem uh, where where I was living before, just so many, and I didn't realize about the beers and stuff. So I was like cleaning up all the fruit and things like that, and just leaving some bottles of beer like by the door. And then a few days later, there were just a million of like depressed fruit flies swimming, like s- flying around. That do they get? They don't get. I think in your book you were saying they don't really. Oh, they do feel it. They can't hold on to the top of glass as well yeah 
that there's a contraption that some people invented actually to separate them in populations for evolutionary studies. It's called the inebriometer. It's a, and there's different varieties of the inebriometer. And what they would do is that they, it's like a tube, a vertical glass tube with steps. Uh, okay, so, and they will let loose a bunch of flies and then they will uh, uh, infuse it with alcohol fumes. And again, some of the flies are going to drop immediately and some of them will hold on for longer. And you can actually separate them in populations of the uh, lightweights and the heavyweights, all the way up to the heavyweights. And you were saying that's the real name of it, the inebriometer. Yeah, it is the real name. I actually uh, had the privilege of getting a, an illustration of the original inventor, inventor of the inebriometer. In it's in the book, yeah. Yes, I saw that. It's even in my Kindle because I read it on the Kindle and I could see okay. that. <laughs> that was, it was great. So tell me, um, I, I think we're near the end and I just want to ask about just just the thing, and it's something you touch on as well in the book, is it chance that certain uh, drugs became acceptable uh, in society and certain ones didn't. So cocaine is is not acceptable, but caffeine is. Is there a parallel universe where maybe caffeine is the sneaky one that they take at a club and cocaine is like you put in your coffee? Yeah, probably because, uh, I mean, first, uh, of course, I'm not advocating to any, for anyone to use illegal drugs uh, or, or otherwise. Also, I wanted, I forgot to mention that even though we talk in, in jokingly ter terms about addiction, drunkenness and whatnot, and I said that in the book, I mean, I'm not making fun of that and neither are you, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's it, uh, addiction and being drunk are horrible in our society, but we, uh, we are using, uh, at least I know that I'm using humor in, in my book in order to, to help people learn about this type of thing. Uh, okay, so that's uh, kind of, and that's a direct consequence of how I teach because I, uh, my day job is being a, a university professor. Okay, so my thing is pharmacology and I teach majors uh, in pharmacology and stuff like that. But I also teach about every semester up to 500 non-majors, non-science majors in general biology, things like that. I get uh, philosophy majors, finance majors. Uh, people who are not interested in biology at all. And I have to make it entertaining. Okay, so <laughs> that part of my uh, technique is to tell like a stupid joke or something like that. And I keep their attention uh, in that. Yeah, of course. And that's how I, I try to write. Uh, being respectful to the reader, but try to teach them as well. And as I, uh, you said so, I, 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 I don't, my intent, intent is not to lecture. So, Going back, to, and I digress a lot, I'm sorry, but That's going okay. back to the idea of legalizing drugs, the fact, some authors have argued that the fact that tobacco is accepted in today's society and coca plants are not, is a historical accident of which one got to Europe first. Uh, okay, so that's it. So that's a historical accident. Nowadays, we see a trend about legalizing cannabis, uh, for instance, because, I mean, many of these substances that are illegal, illegal now, nowadays, they can be the basis of medications. Local anesthetics, the same ones that people use when they go to the dentist, they are chemical derivatives of cocaine, most of them, without the psychoactive effects. 
Uh, okay, so the point that I'm trying to make is that we can take advantage of quote unquote illegal drugs, study their mechanisms, study their chemistry, study their neurobiology, and we can obtain, uh, obtain good beneficial medications for us. You wrote about how cocaine was initially in Coca-Cola, uh, how, yes. of, of course, heroin is used uh, you know, for morphine and stuff like that. You just get it mm -hmm. out of the poppies. Um, it's extraordinary. The only, th the only thing I think when I hear that is like, I've, I've never smoked a cigarette actually, and never, and, and, and friends of mine, yeah. it's just horrible, isn't it? But <laughs> friends, yeah. friends of mine do, and they don't seem to change very much. Whereas cocaine, I have tried cocaine. I don't mind saying that because I'm not going to run for office <laughs> for this politics okay. when I was, when I was a student at university many years ago. It's not a sin. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's awful though, because I felt awful afterwards. Um, just depressed and so low and i feel like that that's maybe one of the reasons as well not just when it arrived because cigarettes don't apart the long the long-term um, yeah. problems are obviously uh documented yeah. but but cocaine just seems a lot stronger but is that just because people are more used to nicotine and stuff that's probably one of the reasons uh, another reason is the depending on the physiology of the person uh you know it's really uh, funny because in my case i've never touched a cigarette and I can't understand for the life of me why, because my mother used to smoke. And I, I never liked it. I, I actually, she got sometimes ups, a little upset with me because I would throw her cigarettes away. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like it. I, and, and I didn't like it for her. Uh, yeah, to this yeah. day, I still don't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and then again, uh, I mean, certainly I have some genes from my mother, but then again, it's something that... Uh, that I that that's a taste I don't share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Could could I mean? Because caffeine would that? Yeah, it's interesting to think of people going to a nightclub and being like, "Oh, they've got I've got some caffeine. Do you want some of yeah. some of yeah. this?" <laughs> Actually, there's precedent for that, uh, and I gave a story. Uh, I think uh, one of the kings of Prussia uh, early uh, yes. they were uh, he was ranting about his soldiers drinking coffee. And uh, the king was raised in beer. Beer is good. Uh, but that was like an uh, economic thing because they, it, it was affecting the exports of beer uh, from Prussia uh, in, you know, benefit uh, coffee. Uh, and again, so there's societies where no uh, substance whatsoever, uh, it's, it's, it's allowed. Okay. And for some people, the same amount of a certain substance can be a poison or something beneficial. Okay. And let's not even talk about an allergy. Okay. Uh, most of us can benefit from antibiotics. And then there's people when if you give them penicillin, they will die because they're allergic. So that's everything is a matter of perspective in a way. Again, there's undeniable. Uh, that's the, the undeniable reality that excess of anything, okay, can, can be harmful. Yeah, yeah. You you wrote that even water, like anything you have, too much of it, it will kill you. Yes, absolutely. What about air? Pure oxygen is not good for you. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, the the percent of oxygen in the atmosphere is about twenty one percent, and it's been documented that, for example, uh, there used to give for uh, premature babies uh, oxygen, uh, and that actually burned their retinas. Oh, my God. 
Yes, and when they discovered that they cause blindness in a in a bunch of kids, and nowadays they don't give oxygen, pure oxygen, uh, to to revive uh, children. So uh, again, it, it it's fascinating. It can be sad, but from the perspective of knowing what can be good, bad, or ugly, it's fascinating. Well, wasn't that wonderful? I certainly learned a lot, not only about animals, but ourselves and our vices and our need to poison ourselves oh so slightly. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, make sure to get drunk flies and stoned dolphins in all the usual places. That's a book. I'm not I'm not um, insisting that you literally go and find drunk flies and stoned dolphins. And you probably can't. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find both of those things in any one place in the world. If anyone does find any drunk flies and stoned dolphins in one place, do let me know. Get in touch. But otherwise, just get on a Pagan's book. Um, it's in all the usual places it's in the show notes go to boldscientist.com as well that's on his website and get on to his bold scientist podcast thank you for continuing to listen to the on the edge with andrew gold podcast it's such a thrill to see those listening numbers going up and up if you want to hear our bonus chat sign up on patreon.com slash andrew gold or through simply subscribing to the membership on apple podcasts or on youtube it's about three pounds or dollars or something a month and you get bonus parts on apple at least you can do a free trial the other ones you can just cancel after the first month anyway just listen to everything and cancel then it's only a few quid um i can't see your names on apple the new subscribers but thank you so so much it's a huge support get in touch to tell me that you signed up if you'd like and if you'd like me to do a shout out or just to chat and say hi i love when people get in touch i'm on andrew gold underscore okay on twitter and instagram on youtube memberships thank you so much to darby costello for signing up there on youtube it is the same as apple and patreon it's just with the videos as well thanks uh regarding patreon thank you to kimberly who i've been talking to on instagram and is a lovely very supportive person maureen connors and carrie featherstone both of whom have had lovely email exchanges and are also really really supportive and nice thank you so much for your support and come join us for the video premiere of this even if you've already listened to this which is typically monday evenings uk time but check out the youtube.com slash andrew gold one page to see it many of you might be listening to this on that youtube page now going i'm already here I'm already here. Well, I'm chatting to you probably in the side as well as you say that. Meanwhile, please keep writing lovely reviews. I think that pushes me up in the charts and Apple. I'm not even sure. I read that it can help and also can help if you unsubscribe and then resubscribe. Although I wouldn't want to push you to do that in case you forget to resubscribe. Uh, And I also don't know if I'd get in trouble for gaming the system. So you didn't hear it from me. But that seems to count as new subscribers for the week and it pushes people up the rankings. I just saw somebody who rigged it and got to like number four of the whole Apple podcasts with with a podcast that had very few listens, really. It's, It's fascinating how it works and doesn't seem to be monitored as it should be. But I don't know. Thanks to the latest reviews, Maxi778 gave five stars and wrote a must-listen. I really enjoy this pod. I walk every day for about an hour or so, and I get so engrossed with the subject, I often keep walking until it ends, so I really like the longer interviews. Just hope that Maxi778 isn't near any cliffs or anything, and do, you know, do keep 
looking out for where you're going. The review continues, a relaxing general chat to start, then peeling back the layers of the interviewee is a style that is engaging, yet not over-imposing. Creating an interview that gets to the subject by asking really inquisitive questions. And I will often ask a question in my head, and then Andrew will ask it. I've gone right back to the beginning with the aim of listening to them all. Thanks, Andrew, and keep up the good work. Louis will say yes one day. Smiley face. I love that. That's a reference to Mr. Louis Theroux, who I think I said in one of the podcasts I was trying to get him on, and I couldn't get him on the on the podcast. At some point, I'm sure he will uh, grace this podcast stage with his uh, eminence. Um, with his eminence, that's a good way to finish that prosaic line. Um, what else? What else? Big G mums, big G's mum, that is, in the US gave five stars as well and wrote, found your podcast after hearing your interview on the Jordan Harbinger show. I can't stop listening. I'm already into the 40s. I absolutely love your podcast and have recommended it to friends and co-workers. Several of us listen and then discuss your guests and the topics. Your interview style is refreshing and the topics are thought-provoking. Please keep up the good work. Wow. I wish I could reply to these reviews, so I hope that uh, people listen this far into the episode. But 40 episodes already, because the Jordan Harbinger, at the time of talking, the Jordan Harbinger show, that episode of mine on his show only came out a few days earlier. So to get through 40 episodes already is, is extraordinary. I need to make these episodes longer or maybe even to do two episodes a week to satiate the desire of Big G's mum. Thank you very much for such a lovely review. Thanks again to Oné. Thanks to my sponsor, Shure. That is S-H-U-R-E. It's got an H in there that you might not have not have been sure about. <laughs> um, get all sorts of microphones and speaker things and technology. They're, they're like the best in the industry. They're known as being the, the the one to to get from if you want to start your own podcast if you want to get a friend something for christmas uh remember on the edge 20 is my uh what is it it's a code isn't it capital letters on the edge or one word 20 is still part of that word but it is spelt with digits can you spell something with digits i don't know um but that's it on the edge 20 capital letters on sure uh coming up on the an- on the andrew on the on the edge on the on the edge with andrew gold podcast uh, our episodes with Carl Zimmer, John Ronson, David Baddiel, Amanda Knox, and many, many more. I'll see you then. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.